Section 24 of the Roosevelt Rondon Scientific Expedition and the Telegraph Line Commission. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Roosevelt Rondon Scientific Expedition and the Telegraph Line Commission by Cândido Rondon. Translated by R. G. Wrighty and Edwin Murray. Third Lecture, Part 11. In order to terminate the description of the eastern watershed of the basin of the Juruena, there only remains for us to consider the Arinus and its tributaries. It is a well-known fact that since the colonial days, the navigation of this river was studied, in the hope of utilizing it, together with the Tapajós, as a means of establishing direct communication between Mato Grosso and Pará. The first attempt was made in 1746 by the Sargento Mor João de Souza Azevedo, who, having ascended the Paraguay and afterwards the Sepotuba, portaged his canoes by land until he arrived at a river to which he gave the name of Sumidouro, owing to the fact that a portion of its respective bed had sunk beneath a mound of a width of three kilometers. From the upper part of this tunnel, the intrepid Portuguese explorer let loose his canoes with wide waters at the discretion of the current, by which they were carried, and caused them to appear intact, according to the statement of Ricardo Franco, on the other side of the mound. From there, Souza Azevedo continued to descend the Sumidouro, which took him to the Arinus, and this river led him to the Juruena and to the Tapajós, whence he penetrated into the Amazon and arrived at Belém do Pará. But the difficulties offered to navigation in the section of the Tapajós, where the waterfalls exist, are of such importance that Souza Azevedo did not attempt to return by the same way, and in order to return from Belém to Mato Grosso, he preferred the longer route by the Amazon, Madeira, and Guaporé. The corporal Manuel Gomes de Souza, in 1805, instructed by the governor Alves Menezes, effected for the second time the same journey, but like his predecessor, he considered the route impracticable for the return journey. It was only in 1812 that the Arinos and the Tapajós were navigated successively up and down by Antonio Tomé de Souza and Miguel João de Souza who had the glory of being the initiators of this means of internal communication in our country. The traffic, however, after continuing for some time, ceased completely. Beyond this navigation of purely commercial purposes, the Arinos and the Tapajós were also visited by the expedition of Count de Lansdorff, who studied both scientifically in 1827, and that of the geographer William Chandless, which took place in 1861. But the elements collected by the first were never published, and those of the second, whilst constituting the essence of all the information which we possessed up to that time with regard to these rivers, did not, however, comprise the total course of the Arinus, neither did they give a regular topographical plan of same, and still less of its levels. As it was necessary to eliminate from the geography of our country such a considerable failing, I commissioned Lieutenant Julio Caetano Horta Barbosa in 1914 to organize an expeditionary party with which he should leave Cuiabá for the headwaters of the Arinos and descend this river, 
exploring it carefully, so as to give us a complete and rigorous description of its entire course. Having organized a party with fourteen workmen, a physician, Dr. João Meira, and a naturalist, Mr. João Geraldo Kuhlmann, Lieutenant Julio Caetano left the capital of Mato Grosso on the 17th of October of last year, in the direction of Brotas, Guia, and Rosário, which, as we know, are situated in the valley of the river Cuiabá, to the east of the Serra do Tombador. After Rosário, but before Diamantino, the telegraph line, which the members of the expedition were following, crosses the headwaters of the Ribeirão da Serragem, a tributary of the right bank of the Cuiabá. It was from the bridge over this crossing that Lieutenant Julio Caetano commenced the studies with which he was entrusted, and the first part of which consisted in reconnoitring the headwaters of this river. After having passed the Quiebo and the Cuiabazinho, its affluents of the right bank, the expedition crossed the two principal feeders of the Cuiabá, respectively called Cuiabá da Larga and Cuiabá do Bonito, the point of confluence of which is at a distance of 196,600 meters from the bridge over the Ribeirão da Serragem. The headwaters of these two feeders run in opposite directions. Those of the first, with the rivers Genipapeiro and Pialas, feeder of the Telespiris, and those of the second, with the river Beja-Flor, an affluent of the Telespiris, and the river Novo, the principal branch of the Arinos. From the valley of the Cuiabá do Bonito, the attendant Julio Caetano passed over to that of the river Telespiris, where he went over the polygon determined by the headwaters known as Corrego Fundo, Chapadão, Beija-Flor, Mutum, Verde, and others, and finally arrived on the 9th of October at the plain whence flows the river Novo. Proceeding with the studies, still by land, the attendant Julio Caetano reached the point of the confluence of this river with the branch which comes, right from the source, with the name of Arinos, and on taking the necessary measurements, he found for this river a width of 30 meters, and a discharge per second of 3,938 liters, and for the former, a width of 28 meters, and a discharge of 30,744 liters. The considerable superiority of this last volume, combined with a larger extension and the direction of the course, which prolongs that of the main river, give to the river Novo the necessary characteristics for it to be considered not a simple affluent of the other branch, but the superior part of the main collector of this basin. Against the above-mentioned elements, the size of and the choice of the principal branch of a river, the anthropogeographical consideration, which consists in the fact that the dwellers of the locality usually point out the other branch as being the preponderant, cannot prevail, and it became, however, necessary to make in the books and maps the correction now indicated by these data. From the bridge over the Ribeirão da Serragem, as far as the confluence of the two branches of the Arinos, the topographical survey revealed a journey of 447,000 meters. There, the exploration by the river was initiated, and was continued as far as the entrance into the Juruena. From the bulk of the work done, resulted not only the extension of the Arinos becoming known, which is 828,364 meters, but also all the affluence of both banks, its waterfalls and rapids, 
the barometric leveling of its bed, the geographical coordinates obtained from astronomical observations from five known points of its course, the constitution of its flora and that of its soil, studied by Dr. Eusebio de Oliveira on samples of rock brought to this capital by Lieutenant Julio Caetano. Of the affluents noted, I will mention the following as they are the most important. From the right bank, the Ribeirão da Prata, the river dos Patos, whose width at the mouth is 23.5 meters, discharging a volume of 2,686 meters per second. The Marapó, or São Cosme, with a width of 30 meters, a volume of 30,137 liters, and at whose mouth Lieutenant Julio Caetano registered the last recent vestiges which he had been encountering from the headwaters of the presence of Indians probably the Bacairis. The Tapauninha, with a width of 18 meters and a volume of 12,600 liters. The Pari, or São Miguel, having a width of 27.5 meters at the mouth and discharging 32,503 liters. The Peixes, or as the Apiacas called it, the Itamiami, of 110 meters width, with a volume of 249,043 liters. And finally, a ribeirão to which Lieutenant Julio Caetano gave the name of Apiacash, below the falls called by Antonio Tomé, Três Irmãs, Three Sisters, as, according to his words, it is divided into three interrupted streams. From the left bank, the Arinos received, the river Preto, whose mouth measures 20 meters in width, and whose discharge is 8,033 liters per second. The telegraph line passes close to the headwaters feeding this river. The Sumidouro, of which Lieutenant Julio Caetano ascended and surveyed a section of 36,854 meters, and measured the mouth and the volume, finding for the first a width of 55 meters, and for the second 213,554 liters. The headwaters of this river is cut by the telegraph line after passing the Parisis station at a point in which it already presents itself with a width of 10 meters. The river Parisis, with a width of 37 meters at the mouth. The Tapanyuna, with a width of 37 meters and a volume of 78,742 liters. And finally, the Sarare, whose mouth is to be found almost immediately after the largest waterfall of the Arinos, called by Antonio Tomé Recife Grande. The navigation for the study of the Arinos, begun on the 29th of November, only terminated on the 29th of December, the date on which Lieutenant Julio Caetano's expedition entered the Juruena and commenced to descend same, facing the troubles and dangers of the section of the waterfalls, which made it practically impossible to use this river above the Tapajós as a means of communication. In order to give an example of the nature of these obstacles, I will cite at random the following passage from Lieutenant Julio Caetano's report referring to one of these. On the third, we marched fairly well up to twelve o'clock. We then entered over travessões and rapids, which are to be found above the São João da Barra waterfall. At 1.25 p.m., we were 1,471 meters from the port, where we were to rest, at the crest of the waterfall. However, it was only at six o'clock in the evening that we arrived there. 
this is a very dangerous section, owing to the condition of the river at the time. The waters rushed wildly and were very agitated, making a terrible noise. We had to pass first clinging on to the rocks, which form a strong scarp on the left bank, and afterwards holding on to a rope held by a man who jumped from one boulder to the other, whilst another, with a long rod, kept the canoes, impelled by the waters, from beating against the rocks. Later, this became impossible, and then, whilst some with hooks from the inside of the canoes searched for some salients on the slippery rocks to secure same and not let the canoes precipitate themselves below with the current, others, with rods, avoided them being knocked up against the rocks. After a number of frights and much labor, we succeeded at last in arriving at the place where we were to stop, so as to transport the baggage by land to below the waterfalls, which we did, having previously tied up the empty canoes by the bow and stern with short hawsers. This work was only concluded after 8 p.m. under a downfall of rain, for the cargo had to be carried over a mound of almost 10 meters in height and of difficult access. On the following day, we ascertained that the hawsers, which were holding the barges, had given way during the night. Fortunately, of this craft, one barge was found below the waterfall in calm water, and the loss of the other made no great difference to us, for the consumption of the victuals had greatly diminished our baggage. We will still cite the following passage from the same report. Next to the waterfall of Santa Iria, there is that of Santa Ursula, more dangerous still than the previous one, and where the Canal do Inferno is to be found. The river passed through a canyon, and below, in a short curve closely confined between rocks of from 7 to 10 meters in height, the watchers beat against the boulders of the banks and form large whirlpools which twirl one after the other, and the entire width of the river they continually fall to pieces with a thundering noise, leaving on the surface the whitish surf of stormy waters. This is the Misericordia waterfall, formed by enormous and dangerous curves and rapids. The banks are composed of high rocks that only leave a width of 90 meters for the passage of all that volume of water which, above the Salto Augusto, extends itself on an average with a width of more than one kilometer. Overcoming all the difficulties of navigation in such turbulent waters, the members of the expedition arrived, on the 18th of January of the current year, at the revenue office of the state of Mato Grosso, immediately below the bar of the river Telespiris. Thence, Lieutenant Julio Caetano, with five men of his expedition, directed himself to the port of Velho on the Tapajós, for the purpose of reconnoitring and serving a portage road to the river Secunduri. Here are the words in which this officer himself refers to the objective of this undertaking and the result of his studies. Some of the dwellers on the banks of the Tapajós were very desirous of opening up, by this portage road, a route for automobiles, so as to get round the big falls of the Tapajós. A similar road would bring enormous advantage to the industrious people of the São Manuel and the upper Tapajós, but this would only be convenient if it were inexpensive, if it came out below all the waterfalls of the Secunduri, and if at this point this river were open to navigation during the whole of the year. None of these conditions existed, however. The country is very mountainous, full of small rivers and swamps, 
and would render the construction of the proposed road extremely expensive. And besides this, the bar of the Medici is above the last waterfalls of the Sucunduri, which, in its turn, is not navigable during the whole of the year, except by small craft. And especially now that the navigation of the Tapajois is being carried out in gasoline motor launches, with great economy of time, it appears to be more economical and advantageous to adapt the traffic of automobiles to the cart road already existing between Pimental and Bella Vista, with an extension of 17,700 meters, or the construction of a narrow gauge railway in this section, the only one which cannot be crossed by the craft. The study and survey of the portage road in question, which could not be carried out in 1911 by an European explorer whose name has on many occasions been cited in the newspaper of this capital, was easily executed in the space of 12 days by Lieutenant Julio Caetano. This work measured 67,200 meters, divided into two sections. The first of 49,700 meters extends from the port of Airivelho to the Igarapé Merici, whose mouth gave a width of 15 meters and a volume of 1,610 liters of water. And the second, of 17,300 meters, joins the above-mentioned Igarapé to the river Sucunduri. On the completion of this service, the members of the Arinos expedition continued to descend the Tapajós up to the Porto de São Luís, where they arrived on the 15th of February, and from there left for the city of Santarém, embarking in a steamer of the regular service of the Amazonas-Tapajós line. Taken on the whole, the work carried out by Lieutenant Julio Caetano on this expedition comprised, of topographical survey alone, the extension of 2,129 kilometers, 923 meters, of which a part, to the extent of a little less than 514 kilometers, was done on foot, and all the rest by the river. This enormous effort finished at the end of four months, starting from the day on which he left the capital of Mato Grosso, and he was so fortunate that it did not cost the life nor the health of a single member of the expedition. With the conclusion of this undertaking, the Telegraph Lines Commission set the last touch to the work which it had initiated in 1907, that is to say, of discovering and studying the River Juruena and the whole hydrographic basin which depends upon it. Considered, however, from a geographical point of view, this work seemed to us to require an important complement. Really, the river to which we give the name of Juruena is the same as that which, after receiving its contribution from the Telespiris, continues to descend to the Amazon with the name of Tapajós. One is a continuation of the other, and probably the diversity of the names resulted only from the fact that the Portuguese discoverers had arrived at this great fluvial artery from the lower and from the upper part of its course. Those who came from the Amazon encountered for the first time its mouth, naturally calling it after the name which the Indians on the banks of the Rio Mar know it. Others, however, had to guide themselves according to the information of the inhabitants of the highlands, from which it springs, and from whom probably it received a new name. But, Whichever may be the origin and the reason of this duplicity of names, and it is certain that the course Juruena-Tapajós forms one only geographical feature, 
it continues intact, just as much from a hydrographical as from a geological and botanical point of view. The description of the one, therefore, should never be considered complete unless it comprised that of the other. We had really terminated the first, but we did not consider that we could give our work as entirely finished whilst essential elements with regard to the second were wanting. Moreover, even if we wished to see in the Juruena a simple feeder of the Tapajós, without any other name except that of its former San Manuel, it is clear that the study of this should accompany the study of the other, as a necessary complement of the plan which we were desirous of organizing. End of section 24